Hello, this is Anushka Oler and Bacheva Ross for Radio Level 5. We created for you today a collection of sound bites from Level 5ers and friends dedicated to the animals we love. And pets we have special relationships with. We will shed light on how they impact us, our practices, life, and identities. They could be muses, appear in our dreams, be part of our mythology. So today we have Lucy Balton and a cat sculpture. Wow! Batsheva Ross and Stella with the participation of Aiton Efrat. Wow! Caroline Kromiak and Pousseche. Wow! Francesca Grilli and Efanko. Anushka Olao and Laini. And Kevoy with a bear. And a lamb. Enjoy your listening and give some love to your non-human companions. Hi, my name is uh, Caroline and I'm recording a tiny sample, a tiny audio track just with some thoughts about my cat. Um, I think it's a really interesting question to think about the relationship between your pet and your and your practice. Voila, so um, I'm the caretaker of a beautiful animal called Pusich. Pusich is a cat. She is seven years old. She's black, white and orange. She shows really erratic behavior. And she's also really, really sweet. She really loves coziness, just like me, I feel. Um, And the way that she finds a way in my practice, I feel maybe it comes back to the way that I create, because I, of course, I have my studio at level five, and I, I make a lot of work there, and I read, and I do research, and I create, and I gather objects, and I, I glitch, it's, it, I mean, that's where I work, but I also, since I am in this practice of glitching, which also, which also um, requires a computer or a laptop, I also work a lot from home because I feel that it's a completely different setting, it's a different environment and it makes you think in different ways. So I feel that in this way, um, Pusich can really be a companion of me because she is also there and I'm working on my laptop and she is around and she creates a sense of well-being and a sense of rest and some sort of... hmm, I mean, a home is a different home and there is... A living creature when there is an animal so I feel in this way she creates a sense of rest which I need in order to be creative and then in another way I feel that she's also a part on, of my practice not like she as Pusage but she as a cat more like the cat overall since I am doing more and more um, research into um, minorities female minorities how they have not been included in the dominant culture, how they have been repressed for many, many centuries, and 
when you talk about that, you also talk about witchcraft. And I am just reading this new new book called Witches. <laughs> and there they also talk about cats. And I just wanted to share like this tiny this tiny sample about cats. And it's uh, they talk about the cliche of the cat lady, which I think it's really interesting because it's like this single female living alone having a cat. Which, of course, in itself is something amazingly powerful to do and incredibly nice and should be regarded as just normal. But then there is this cultural sense of this lonely female creature needing to have a cat to, to, to have some love from someone. So this cliche I just wanted to share because, I mean, fuck that, that's just, <laughs> that's not nice. And then there was another tiny story that I wanted to add, which is on the next page. Um, it's 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 an, uh, about Pope Gregorius the Ninth, and in twelve thirty three, he announced that the cat is the servant of the devil. And then in fourteen eighty four, Pope Innocentius the Eighth announced that all cats who are seen in the companion of a female should be seen as their satanic friends. <laughs> So the witches have to be burned together with these animals. And the funny thing is that, so they slaughtered all the cats because the cats were companions of the devil. They also slaughtered all the females. But because all the cats were slaughtered, the, the population of rats grew and spread out. And this is actually what, um, this was the reason of the pest epidemic in Western Europe, which then they blamed the witches for. So I thought this was a nice, a nice anecdote to share, since my practice is revolving around these themes, and apparently cats are also a part of this. So voila, merci for listening. And now we will listen to a song written by Bacheva Ross to her cat Stella. Voices, Bacheva Ross and Eitan Efrat. Instrument, Eitan Efrat. My dear Stella is afraid of the darkness, is afraid of the lightness, and when I am afraid, she's afraid of me. Oh dear Stella, please have trust in ambiguity. Don't bite my feet when I'm ambivalent. Oh dear Stella, please let me be and be happy. מפחדת מהחושך, מפחדת מהאור, וכשאני מפחדת היא חוששת מפניי. אוי סטלה יקרה שלי, האמיני במעורפל. אל תמשכי אותי כשאני לא ברורה. אוי סטלה יקרה שלי, הניחי לנפשי. ושתשמחי, ושתגרמי. 
Ok, so I'm Francesca Grilli, uh, I'm a visual artist and performer, and today <laughs> I wanted to talk about um, a video that I shot it in 2011 in Italy. The title of the video is Oro, which means uh, in Italian gold, and I put this title to a video and a performance as well. The performance is called Gold in the English version. And in this film, uh, I shooted myself walking in a very ancient library in Parma, in Italy, with a falcon, an ox falcon, to be precise. And uh, the library is the most uh, ancient uh, place for alchemists. Actually, it was designed by an alchemist in Parma, a priest. And all the frescoes that you see are related to, uh, of course, the symbol of the alchemy, but also the birds. Because for the alchemist, um, the sound closest to God was the whistle. So in the fresco, we can really see a lot of birds flying all around. And now it's a, it's a library, the space is used as a library. And uh, in the video, you can just see myself walking in the library with the falcons. Uh, in order to make this uh, film, I contacted um, a, falcon, a falconer. Uh, this falconer was uh, training uh, a couple of falcons to do um, a kind of hunting technique called bird watch. Basically, it's, um, it's a way to kill pigeons inside the factories or the airport. So the falcons were trained to be close to the human. But on the other hand, you cannot really uh, tame the falcon as an animal, but you can train it. My experience with those animals uh, was in the very beginning a scary one. Um, I decided to work with the falcon because uh, if I think about an emotion, it's fear, of course, but also this lack of love and fear attraction that you can feel in front of a big change of your life, for example, an inner revolution or um, I don't know if you ever felt this kind of attraction, repulsion energy. And the first time that um, I, I, I fly uh, Falcon uh, with, the, uh, with the glove uh, on my arm, I thought, uh, wow, this is really a scary feeling. I want to escape, I want to run away. But then it's also super powerful. In fact, the Falcon was the king of the, the, the birth of the king in the medieval time in Italy. It's a symbol of power and uh, also it was uh, a bird that was related to the male power. And in the video, of course, I use myself um, as a female body to, um, to be in dialogue, to, to talk somehow with the falcon. Um, in, the, in the video Oro, mm, I invited a girl coming from La Gomera Island, an island in, in the south of Spain, to whistle with the Silbo-Gomero language, um, a piece of Ovidius Metamorphosis, the story of King Midas. Um, 
to whistle the story while I was flying the birds inside the library. Uh, so in the in the coming audio that you are gonna listen, um, you can really experience and listen the the whistle coming from this story, and um, which is also this uh, hidden language that they still speak in La Gomera Island called Silbogomero.
Hello, this is Anushka. Uh, so I'm about to read you a text that I wrote about uh, my dog Lainey, or maybe our relationship or some stuff around that. And um, so first I recorded it when I was uh, working with her in uh, in the wood. But then it was too many uh, sound editing to do and I was a bit uh, too lazy to do it or I was just not really enjoying it. So I'm going to read it now uh, and I will not edit it so we can all pretend that we're sitting in a room together and this is a live reading. Okay, so we'll start. <coughs> I invited my dog to a performance this summer and she was one of the many exquisite guests I was very lucky or ha maybe just happy to receive on uh, the Drama Marshall. It was called the Drama Marshall, this performance. Having her involved in my work is something I really fantasize um, since we go to our first training classes. Those uh, were absolute disaster. Going to the class in itself was pure bliss. It took place um, in a huge outdoor park in the outskirts of Brussels, and it always began with all the, the dogs running together before splitting in smaller groups. That meant about 50 dogs running one after the other and forming the biggest circle of dogs you don't even see in cartoons. <laughs> this was also my introduction to the social life of dog people, and at this moment I didn't know about... Um, people, mainly adults, live commenting uh, the action of their dogs for surprisingly lengthy moment. So at first I was in complete awe. Because Lainey, she's a racing dog, she often initiated the big circle. And she was still a puppy when we were going there, so she didn't know how and really didn't want to stop. And me, I had no idea how to stop her which happened to be the reason uh, why we were there. But so <laughs> this led to 50 people live commenting the somehow cold but still kind girl running after her petite black whippet. In the same period that we joined the disastrous but otherworldly classes, I started daydreaming about what I think are magical tricks, such as uh, jumping through circles, or maybe barking on demands. And now we're three years from that, and it turns out she doesn't really bark. And I surely developed a habit for watching agility championships when I suffer from a particularly heavy hangover, but I never turned that into a, an active hobby. For our performance, I aim to write some sort of poem to read to her on stage about everything she um, she does that I don't really understand, but make this relationship uh, complex and also simple, because outside of language, it's still full of uh, rays of light. So I, I, I took my copy of uh, Araway's The Companion Species Manifesto to the park, and the, the book has many dog's ears. It's because of this book that I think of my sculpture as companions. But I read it and I ask myself, like, how many quotes can this tiny book can put up with? So I still I continue to uh, 
try to write and I, I start scribbling and then I, I think of Alien Miles because they wrote their dog's memoir which uh, I think is our ultimate ultimate uh, fog light to us, the dog dykes in Afterglow uh, not Afterglow, Afterglow which is the memoir they say <coughs> I wrote I wrote poetry difference since the advent of you. We walked to the places you needed to go, parks and beaches. I brought you to the country, to houses to give birth, to multiply. We decided we don't need the puppies. We were out there in nature and I wrote about you and thoughts, about things in general. I'd leave someone asleep in my bed and take you to a schoolyard in my neighborhood and think about what I had left behind. You were always my boat. You brought me space and peace. I put you in the middle of my life and you never steered me wrong. There are things that are different since uh, Lainey is here. Because having a dog made me rewrite how I uh, unwillingly ascribed to the idea of an unattached, um, independent or lonely, maybe, elastic uh, art worker. When she writes, I had no choice than to produce effective changes to what I actually hated. So I slowly stopped running from morning to evening, because for, for years I, I doubled my days. I did full day at the studio or other um, commitment, I would call them, and then went on to being a waitress, often straight from A to B with no break. Jumping from one rhythm to another, feeling disconnected and crazy, always fidgety for money or time. One day I was uh, sick or anxious, which is kind of the same, so I brought some herbs to calm my belly to the restaurant where I worked. But I took the wrong herbs and I drank a full pot of passion flower, which is the, um, it has the same effect as uh, taking a sleeping pill. And this kicked in when my boss came to talk to me. I think I, w I was sent home this day. Anytime I showed weakness in his job, in this job, I was sent home. Which is cool because I was paid the same, but also it's very efficient to make you feel like a truly replaceable workforce or even just replaceable human. Unfortunately, having a dog didn't give me any sort of capital so that I could work less, but it forced me to acknowledge my needs because of hers. Taking breaks, sitting down when eating, going for walks, being consistent. And you cannot really see this stuff, but Lainey is giving me a point, looking at me very intensely, which really adds to the to the moment. With her, I settled in Brussels. Maybe I was tired of going to residences and uh, coming back ruined. Or maybe it was residences that were tired of uh, me being ungrateful. But now at least it's a bit more clear that I can't really pretend that I can live everything, which is, uh, I think, I would say, is a, a house, relations, jobs, 
that I can live this easily. I cannot pretend I can do this. And I cannot pretend uh, that I feel at home and ready to work everywhere, which I feel is still a myth that we have to pretend is real. In uh, When the Sick Rule the World, which is a beautiful book written by Dodi Bellamy, and the author is here, when uh, the dying dog, uh, the one that has a memoir, uh, well, the dog is dying in the, in the other book that we spoke about before. And so Dodi Bellamy is here when the, the dog is peeing herself. And so the dog is being carried and accompanied by uh, the poet who wanted to, to be a president. In those moments, they appear and they reappear in, uh, in Afterglow, which is the, the dog memoir. And I'm missing the second part of the text, which is not going to make me edit. No. Well, I found it. Maybe now I have to edit. They mm. so were saying this this moment they appear and they reappear in a, in Afterglow, which is the the Eileen Miles uh, book, and they appear as a humble uh, act of love. But what happens? It's um, Dodi Bellamy. She's at the apartment of Eileen um, Miles, and uh, she cannot flush her third uh, that she called uh, a bowel movement. And then she recalled. Um, she exposes Eileen Miles as uh, being incapable of human compassion, as if it all went to Rosie, which is uh, you know the the dog. And um, Bellamy says. I hate that they are treating me worse than a dog. And here I feel like intertextuality destroyed the interspecies uh, profoundness when intraspecies collapse. In a way, Lainey for me is my intertextuality. Because she brings another point of view to things I wouldn't have necessarily considered ugly before. The performance happened in Brittany at the very end of our summer trip, uh, for which we took an infinite number of trains. At this time, she had multiple stitches at the end of her throat because she was badly bitten uh, just before by a husky. And this filled me up with so much guilt, pity also for her, and the terrible confirmation of her fragile existence. Thus, the, the idea that she will die is present in my relationship to her. This, which is her and me, comes with finitude. I remember being very happy that she was here, and not because I had something witty to say about her or our relationship in general, but because I simply love her and care for her, and she was indeed a very special guest. To my surprise, she was absolutely stage fright, and she didn't want to come on stage, and when I'm managed to make her come. She didn't want to stay. So we had to round it up by uh, doing a little uh, trick that we're good at, which is, um, so I put a, a treat in one of my fists and I close uh, both fists and present the fist to her. And then I pretend to ask a yes or no question. And she picks the hand with the hidden treat. And by doing so, she supposedly answered the question.
Lenny the Whippet. Her breed is the result of the English working class, coupling the forbidden um, greyhound. They were forbidden because they belonged to the, to the royals. And so coupling them with smaller terriers so that the offspring could uh, feed their houses, but also hunt rabbits and propose entertainment in speed races. She is bred and roses. And now this is time for a beautiful song by Kay Voy about a bear named Jasmine that lives in the forest. Thank you. 
And now we will listen to a text by Lucy Barton. I used to not like cats. I did not like dogs either. But the last two or three years, I became so intrigued by the love humans had for their pets. I did not really understand until I adopted one. Faustino is our cat. He is seven months old and I seriously got really, really attached to him. When he went for his first walk in the garden, I was completely stressed. But I still wonder why, why we need their presence, what their lives bring us, and how human beings would have evolved without the love of their pets. Whether it is a chicken, a cat, a dog, or a rabbit. But let's go back to art practice. I see myself as an artist without practice. I think my work is invisible. I create links between art artists and people. In French, we say that I'm a cultural mediator. For instance, I work with students in pedagogy and search with them to understand how they are touched by art and how art can help them teaching better. That's why I'm going to talk about someone else's art, including pets, of course. I want to talk to you about a sculpture of Hank Bisch, presented in the Central for Contemporary Art by Xavier Noretomé in the exhibition Panorama. It is a giant cat, a metal sculpture, colorful. The full body of the cat is covered with color spots. The sculpture is called The Stolen Painting. I like this sculpture. It is quiet. The cat is sitting, watching everything. It is actually looking at the rest of the exhibit. Sometimes I even wonder if the cat is another visitor. Engvish says that he has no talent for painting. His cat is the witness of this lack of talent. That's the story Hank tells about the sculpture. I think the cat ate the paint, and that's why its hair is colorful. My cat eats everything, seriously. The same sculpture exists, even bigger, in front of the low court in The Hague. Yeah, Hengvish is a Dutch artist, yeah, I, di I didn't mention it. But this bigger cat in front of the law court is called The Witness. Hengvish says that cats are needed because they see in the dark. When you have to judge a trial, when, when you're all in the dark, that's what is asked to you, to resolve case mysteries, to bring light. I really like Hengvish's cats. They are playful, and at the same time, they touch me deeply. As I work with children, most of the time, I wanted to show them how to paint an object without paint, and in this case, without hurting an animal. So I covered my window with color filters, and I let the sun invade the room. At the right moment, I stood with my cat in the colored light, and my cat became a work of art. Another song from Kevoy called Chanson pour un agnolet, which is a song for a baby lamb. Mm -hmm. 
jusqu'au bord de la mer La fourmi nous verra de sa porte Et je te donnerai le sang et le pain Faste léopard Oh, 
Radio Level 5 